I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode was one that I think probably a lot of people would get a lot of value from listening to a couple few times. Um, especially about like 10 minutes in or so. Um, gets really good. Brian Kest is the guest. Brian is the founder of Power Yoga. Um, he's been recommended to me uh, to have him on the podcast probably like 10 or 20 times. So we finally got to do it. Um, in this conversation, we get all into how to start to um, you can say get some control over the thoughts streaming through our heads um, the meaning of yoga and asana and all that stuff kind of the history around it uh, Brian's story around power yoga and all sorts of good stuff I had a really great time on this hope you guys enjoy it thank you so much for tuning into the website aligntherapy.com a-l-i-g-n therapy.com on there you can start the five-day movement challenge that uh, instructs, guides, educates y'all on how to integrate more effective movement into every little flipping thing you do throughout the day. Your body is always constructing itself 100% of the time. If we have a little bit of baseline education on how to integrate better movement principles into our lives, imagine that our bodies start repairing and stacking up and posture starts coming to alignment and your energy starts increasing and all that stuff. So it's really good. Uh, thanks so much. Faraday's for supporting this podcast. Faraday's is a pair of underwear or multiple thousands of pairs of underwear, I guess. Um, they are made of bamboo and spandex. They're all stretchy. Feel good on, on, on the old thighs. Thighs is a funny word. Um, and they have this pouch around the genital area that's uh, lined with silver thread, silver fabric, and it's good for bouncing off EMF, electromagnetic frequencies, away from your nuts if you're a dude. Uh, it's really good stuff. We're barred by this stuff throughout the day. It's shown to lower testosterone levels and do all sorts of deleterious nonsense you don't need. These underoos are helpful. Go to faradays.co, F A R. A-D-A-Y-S dot co. Use the line code for 10% off your purchase of nut protecting underoos. Um, I think we're good. Let's just do this thing. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you absolutely adore this conversation. I hope you get a lot from it. And I hope you all have a beautiful Monday. podcast. Yeah, that's going to be better. Um, another aspect of the book is that our, our world physical world forms us also our emotional world forms us it's the way that we think and feel kind of like uh cultural indoctrinations our belief systems around ourselves what matters literally forms our physical structure mm -hmm. and our cell phones and our cars all that stuff forms our bodies sounds like a something we need to get out there <laughs> good luck yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Good. congratulations yeah yeah Thanks, it's not man. easy i mean i've i have one of my teachers has done uh two or three books and I, I've had three book deals and I've had to send back my signing bonus because I didn't get it done. That's scary to hear. Yeah, man. I just, I guess it's not time for me. So, so what was I'm in awe of those of you who can pull that off. I haven't know? pulled it off yet, but I have a co-writer with me as well. So that everything helps. I do is times two and yeah. he's, we're like reviewing each other, each other's work, which is really great. Yeah. Like, that means you have to be accountable too. So that's cool. Such you know? a big deal. Yeah. That helps. That helps. Yeah. So what, what was the snags for you when you were, when you're done? I just didn't have time, you know, like they give you these deadlines. You have to have the first chapter done by this time and the second chapter done by this and you know, it was time for the first chapter and I was like, I didn't have it done. And they're like, do you need an extension? I'm like, yeah. And so they gave me extension. I still didn't have it done. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't channeling, you know, it, it wasn't right. like when I write it flows. Like, you know, if you go to the website and see some of the blogs, yeah. I mean, they flow, you know, it's just, I, I just tra channel, but, um, it wasn't coming and I'm just, I'm just thinking it's not time, you know, but, um, soon it'll be time. I mean, you know, I've had, like I said, I've had three deals that I've had to walk away from and I've had like. You know, little thousands of people tell me I should write one, you know, because I give lectures wherever I go. They're like, oh, my God, do you have that somewhere? I'm like, no, I'm working on it. Yeah. So power yoga, is that you or is that where's where did power yoga come from? Well, I coined the term power yoga. So it comes from me. 
that's where the name comes from. But power yoga is not a system of yoga as, you know, like Jiva Mukti or Anasara or Ashtanga or Bikram or Shivananda. I mean, those are all yoga systems, you know. Right. Power yoga is just a cool name or a stupid name, whatever you think it is, you yeah. know. And I think it's actually both. Yeah. You know, when I coined it, I thought it was cool, obviously. You know, I mean, it really was, It's a, you know, it's a really catchy name. And... Um, and it really is the truth, you know? I mean, it's it's a very powerful, empowering practice. So, you know, that's kind of, I felt empowered after practicing yoga, so it just made sense to me. Um, but also at this point in my journey, I, I realized that that name also alienates people because I think people are intimidated by the name. They're like, fuck, I can't do that. That's, right. That sounds too hard for me. And the last thing I want to do is alienate people. Yeah. You know, so... You know, I, right, I have never thought of a better name, so I'm, I, I, I keep, I still use it. I'm kind of stuck with it. I coined it, you know. I mean, there's a Warner Brothers Power Yoga video set that it stars me, you know, and so it's mine. But, I mean, I never trademarked it, so every Tom, Dick, and Harry has also borrowed it, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but until I find something better, it just, you know, it stays with me. Yeah. What I tried you? grandma yoga for a year and then I tried <laughs> nonchalant <laughs> yoga <laughs> because those are all have truth in it too. You know, it's like, I want grandmas to come and feel welcome. You know, they do. Right. Um, and you know, and I'm not so attached to the name anyways, you know, it's, I just really, I think what matters is the substance, you know, um, but names the, you know, the only thing a name can be is descriptive or catchy one or the other or both. Yeah. You know, descriptive, like it's describing what it is, or it's a catchy name, you know, or, or maybe you're naming the name, the yoga after yourself, you know, like Baptiste yoga, you know, he named it after himself, you know, or Baptiste now power yoga, he changed it. Um, so it's, it's usually descriptive or, um, just catchy. Yeah. I wonder, so for me, yoga kind of started off as more of something to like, uh, pick up chicks, Yeah, you know, I just wanted to be in like a, a social environment. And now really only probably in the last like six months or so has yoga had like real meaning for me. Um, where it's like, if you do something enough over and over again, you actually feel the, the change. And then I, I recently did like a Vipassana meditation thing for, you know, did the 10 day thing and all that. Going up. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, kind of like the, the, like the whole spiritual in quotations part is starting to become more of like a, a relevant part of it. Whereas for the longest time it was just like sweaty fitness. And I wonder for, wonder for what the, like the journey or process or some way to fast forward, if that exists, people to get out of the sweaty fitness part of yoga and actually get into like the union part of yoga. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I don't think there's, I think if the, the yoga is yoga, there's no choice. Like, you're not really doing yoga if it's just sweaty fitness. It's not yoga. It's sweaty fitness. That's yeah. not yoga. It's sweaty fitness. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, basically, you know, you you know, you know, can bring your shit into yoga and turn yoga into shit, and that's exactly what you're doing if it's sweaty fitness because it's that spiritual side that you say is about developing awareness now, which recognizes the shit so you can stop feeding it mental energy and unconscious loyalty. Yeah. If you're not doing that, then it's just sweaty fitness. It's... The physical yoga was never yoga. It's that, you know, that, that has nothing to do with yoga. We call it yoga because it comes out of the yoga tradition, but it's not yoga. It was, uh, the yogis were meditating and their right. bodies were falling apart because they were spending 24 seven meditating. They were living sedentary lifestyle because they found all the power to be in meditation. Yeah. But because the body was atrophying and decaying and they were getting blood clots because they were sitting all day. They said, shit, we got to create an exercise, hmm. right? So that's where the physical stuff comes from. It's not yoga. It's calisthenics that were meant to keep the body, um, you know, keep the blood flowing and keep the muscles toned so they could meditate for longer periods of time without an ill effect. So, hmm. but you can bring the qualities of meditation into the exercise and then you have something called yoga asana. Now, asana means to sit quietly. So it's not describing your body. Right. It's describing your mind, you know, because most of the poses you're not sitting, but asana means to sit quietly and every yoga pose is called asana. 
So they're telling you in the name, this has nothing to do with your body. You know, this has to do with your mind. Can you sit quietly in this pose? Because it's only when you're quiet that you can hear what your body is saying to you in that language called sensation. And then you can be respectful of it. And, you know, a workout becomes healing because you're honoring what you're feeling, which is why you're given feelings. Yeah. You know, but if you're just coming into yoga and doing the sweaty thing, then basically what you're doing the same thing in yoga as you do outside of yoga. You're just doing it in a stretch now. Right. right, because you're not addressing your mind state, what you call the spiritual side, you know, which is vipassana. Yeah, I didn't even know how to do physical yoga till I did my first vipassana. You know, so because that allows the vipassana really teaches you about uh, awareness. You know, yeah. starting to observe. Then you start noticing stuff. You know, then you can notice that you're pushing deeper, and you can ask yourself, why the fuck am I pushing deeper? Right. Right. Because there's no intelligent reason because you never read any proof. Looser people were healthier and happier people. And you can see from everything on earth that the harder you are in anything, the faster you destroy it. So it makes no sense to push hard if the goal is wellness. But yet you're pushing hard. Right. And you start noticing that. And then you ask yourself why, you know, and then you realize, wow, you know, like, you know, I am. I'm, I'm addicted to this mentality I have that I just brought into yoga, you know, and I'm using yoga to get somewhere, but yoga is not meant to get me somewhere. It's meant to take care of me. It's polar opposite. Hmm. Like peak performance and wellness are complete polar opposites, you know? I mean, complete polar opposites. In order to get the most out of yourself, you have to destroy yourself. That's hmm. why there's nobody more fucked up later on in life than athletes and dancers, you know, because they spend their entire life beating the shit out of their bodies and their bodies are break down faster than anybody else's. You know, I mean, if you want to, if you want your body to last as long as possible, feeling as good as possible, the last thing on earth you'd ever want to do is push your body hard. Hmm. That turns Western fitness upside down and inside out. But Western fitness is fucking insane <laughs> because it's not based. It's not about wellness. It's about prowess and aesthetics and right. quantity, not quality. Right. And so, but it's crazy. And we all bought it hook, line and sinker. And, and, you know, and, and it's being, you know, it's being shoved down our throat every, you know, look at every cover of every magazine, look at every fucking girl you see. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're all, we're being programmed that this is what healthy is. It's not, you know, you look at an athlete's body and you say, that's healthy. That's yeah. the opposite of health. It's the complete, utter opposite of health. This person's going to have more problems than the average person, you know, because of what they did to make their body look like that. Because sports is about winning. It's not about wellness. Hmm. You know, you sacrifice your body for the team. You don't take care of your body. If you're injured, you get back in the game, you pussy, because right. you're only respected if you play injured. But an injury is your body saying, please stop. Right. So this is our mentality about fitness and health and all this crap. And then we bring this stuff into yoga and it plays out in yoga unless you start becoming aware of the sickness that exists within you. Hmm. That's yoga. I've heard of sport. That's Vipassana. I've heard of sport as being described as being like ritualized death and something that is something that like we lack in our culture is having that kind of like fighting for your life type experience. We have all these little tiny battles. If I got to pay taxes at himself, I'm building like this little micro trauma throughout the, you know, the days. There's a book called, um, paradise made in hell. Have you ever heard of that before? Mm -mm. So one of this, this is kind of contrarian, but that's okay. It, it's, it's a, a book all about people that went through like really terrible and quotation experiences like nine 11 or firefighters or police or what have you different wars. And they look back at those experiences being the best experiences of their lives. Cause they actually felt alive during that time. And then in this kind of this, like just mundane, you know, rote reality that we, most of a lot of us occupy, not maybe not most, um, you kind of feel like dead inside in a sense. And then there's kind of like, there is, I think there is maybe sometimes value to that, like Richtering experience of like, Oh, I'm definitely alive right now, you know? And then it's also damaging to the body in a sense as well. Oh, no doubt. But the thing is, is that, you know, those time those people went through that thing and they felt alive because those things were so intense that it forced them to be present. Yeah, exactly. Right? But you can, you can co create develop the qualities of being present without needing to, you know, Almost go through 9-11 or go through, you know, the Iraq war or go through, you know, some kind of massive trauma. You know, you get the same thing when you're on the front of an end of a roller coaster. Yeah. In that moment that you're going down, you're alive, you know, because right. it forces you or right before <laughs> orgasm, you're alive. Right. That's yeah. why we all love sex so much. Right. We're like present and alive, you know, because the intensity of the experience forces you to be present, you know. But um, outside of that, which is ninety nine point nine percent of your life, you know, you're not. You know, so how can you bring that into, you know, in sports, they call it the zone. Right. You're yeah. in the zone. 
you know, like the football players running down the field, looking over their shoulder, waiting for the ball. In those moments, they're in the zone, man. They are so friggin' locked in and present. How do you bring that into your life? You know, well, that's a muscle. That's yeah. a muscle you need to cultivate. It's called paying attention in your life. Right then, you're paying attention. 9-11, you're paying attention. You know, you're being forced to by the circumstances, yeah. right? But what happens when you're not being forced to? Can you still be present? No, the mind drifts away, you know, when we slip into this, you know, this, you know, there's some Harvard study that says something like 85% of the thoughts you have are the same thoughts you have every single day. Right. We're just rolling, man, in this friggin' habit pattern. And there's 60 to 80,000 of them, apparently. Yeah, I bet. Each and day. we're just Maybe rolling whatever, them, rolling them. Yeah. And they're the same ones like every day. So it's like, you know, we're stuck. We're stuck in this. And what you, wherever you roll is what manifests your life, right? Because your life is nothing more than your thoughts. Like yeah. you, your thoughts are, you know, manifested in your life. So, you know, if you have an issue with your life, if you have an issue with what you see in the planet, then you, you know, you have to take a look at where your thoughts are because anything you see is a reflection of you, right? It's coming from you. So, you know, that's why probably Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see yeah. because it can't change in the world if it doesn't shift inside of me. Yeah. You know, so, you know, they're all asking us to be aware. So the idea is to bring that awareness into yoga and then yoga is no longer, you know, sweaty fitness. But now it's, um, you know, it's a healing, mm. you know, now it's a spiritual practice, you know, and it's nice because one day you're going to have to bring your yoga off your meditation cushion. Right. I mean, it right. doesn't really help you on your cushion. It helps you in your life. So one day it's got to come off the cushion and enter your life. And what a great little happy medium then a yoga class. Like you're not on the cushion, but you're not quite in life. It's like you're in the middle. You're in an exercise class. Yeah. So let me bring the qualities of meditation into my yoga exercise. And when I get good at it, maybe it can transcend the studio and permeate all things. So how does one start the journey of getting a hold of their thoughts? Their 80,000 odd redundant thoughts. Um, you did it with Vipassana. That's exactly how, I mean, it, there's not a clearer way, you know, like find a focal point. You, your first day, your first four days, you paid attention to your breathing, right? Yeah. Right. Well, the, the, every single time your mind was on your breath, your thoughts were gone. Your mind was clear, but you notice how fast your mind drifted. You notice how hard that was. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> Just sitting there. It wasn't until like the eighth or ninth day oh, that yeah. I feel like I got like distinguishable, clear, satiating value the rest of the time was like pretty horribly painful for me <laughs> pure suffering yeah. right I mean, but the last two days were, were like it was like oh, okay and then i like had this classic like storybook weeping in the desert it was out of jay tree i like totally. walked out like <laughs> totally you went through the fire but you know listen if harvard's right and 85% of the thoughts you have are the same thoughts you have every day. You can honestly say without even a question that the largest addiction of your life is the place where your mind dwells. Yeah. There's nothing you do more than that, right? So true. you know how hard it is to break addictions. What do they call that? Withdrawal symptoms? Yeah. Like that's a sickness, right? Can you imagine the ferocity of the withdrawal symptoms of trying to break the largest addiction of your life? That's why people have turned yoga into physical fitness, right? Because then they don't have to deal with that shit. Right. Right. They're just, they just, they make it about their body and they don't have right. to deal with their, the largest addiction of their life. You know, that's the American thing. You know, let's just, you know, let's, let's avoid the real problem. I mean, it's not really American. It's pretty much human, but you know, um, it's, but it's crazy, you know, it's because you look around the world and like, you know, nothing's changed, you know, there's like as much disease and war and crime and poverty and it seems like there's more, it seems like there's more, but I, I'm thinking per capita, it's basically the same. It's like yeah. nothing's changed. So the answer obviously is not cell phones and space travel. It's not technology. The answer is what all these great people came to the planet to, to share with us that we put on the pedestal. I mean, what did Jesus say? Do not judge. Greatest example of yoga in recorded history, right? The nails are going in, and as the nails are going in, he says, do not judge them, right? right. Buddha says moderation. Gandhi says nonviolence. Martin Luther King, equality. Mother Teresa, compassion. They all said the same thing. Try to develop the benevolent qualities of your mind. You did that at Vipassana. You remember Metavarna? Which one is that? Matt Devarna, the healing balm at the very last day he teaches you. Oh, May yeah, all beings yeah. be happy. Yeah. May all beings. This is compassion, right? It's like right. you can't develop something that you're not willing to work on. 
So, but people are, you know, we get no support in our society. We get no support at our dinner table, right? Who, who's supporting us? You know, where, you know, a lot of parents are, you know, you know, you know, passing this sick message that they inherited from their parents and their culture to their children, you know? How good were your grades? How good did you do? Don't worry, you can be better. Try harder. You know, it's like with all the, you know, the care in the world that, you know, they're facilitating this message. Like you're not good enough the way you are. You need to achieve, you know, you need to get somewhere. And then people bring that into fitness. You know, I need to get skinnier. I need to get stronger. I need to get looser. I need to get younger. I need to get prettier. Well, yoga doesn't want to change you at all, you know, because it doesn't want to reinforce some idea that there's something wrong with you in the first place. You know, as soon as you want to change, you're actually strengthening what's hurting you the most, right? Some yeah. idea that you're ugly, wrong, and broken because you're not, you know, and all, everything going on in your life is important for you to learn and grow and become all you're becoming. So your challenges are good, not bad, yeah. but you know, and, and think about it, man. They're saying 95% of 90 to 95% of all physical diseases coming from mental stress. Try to imagine anything that creates stress more than not being okay with what is, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, most people in their pursuit to be healthy, they're making themselves sicker, you know, and they end up looking good, but it doesn't, it doesn't help much. Do you have to drive yourself into the wall in order to get to the point of actually um, getting to like the more nurturing side of, of yoga, for example, yoga just being a metaphor for whatever, but bridging that gap between sweaty fitness into something deeper than that, do you have to just bust your ass for years and hurt yourself. And, you know, eventually like it's that, that transition between that, like the bridge between that. Cause I don't know what, what's the percentage of people that are practicing sweaty fitness versus like traditional yoga. I wonder maybe I don't a know, probably more. a small percent. I would imagine of people yeah. actually like, and then who's to say what is what, but bridging that gap between is like Vipassana. The answer is breaking yourself. The answer I think for us it is, but hopefully for the next generation it won't because we have to go through the withdrawal symptoms because we become addicted to a certain mentality, but maybe we can pass to our children something else so they don't have to. You know, maybe they don't have to grow up in the culture we grew up in because the culture we're going to create will be something more nourishing and nurturing. You know, but maybe we do because, you know, we become addicted to something that's harmful. You know, we became addicted to a mentality that's hurting us. Um, we've created a culture that, you know, look what we're doing to Mother Earth. I mean, it's just a reflection of what we, what do, we do to ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. I mean, you ever see a landfill? I mean, it's toxic. There must be 10 million of them on the planet right now. And you know what? We don't need to have one of them, right? Because we, we, we put a man on the moon. We have, a, we have the ability to make, you have, make everything that we use biodegradable, every single thing. We don't need plastic. I mean, you know, we could, we could easily replace that if there was enough money in it. Right. Right. But since capitalism and money and money and money, you know, people are actually fighting to keep plastic because they're scared of losing their jobs or they're scared of losing money. You know, um, you know, it's like, you know, when the, you know, in, when the paradigm shifts from gross domestic product to gross domestic happiness, <laughs> yeah. you know, when that shifts, you know, from the product to the product becomes happiness instead of, you know, what you can sell. And then you look at the marketing, you know, where, you know, everybody's trying to shove their product down your throat. Everybody's lying to make their product look better and prettier. And in an effort to sell their product, they have to tell you that you don't have enough the way you are. You know, they say the average 30 year old American has watched 2 million commercials and every commercial says you're not good enough the way you are. You'd be much better if you had this. And the, the psychological law says the more you see something, the more you believe it. Well, look at the, what we fucking seen. Yeah. You know, when you watch TV, your eyeballs don't move. When your eyeballs don't move, you're in a very receptive place. It's called alpha level. So here you are in a receptive place. Look what the fuck you're putting in. All this bullshit. And it starts to become you. You own it. You know, look at the TV shows we watch. They're teaching us how to act. Like, you know, everybody, you know, the whole Me Too thing's going on, you know, with all the women and all this stuff and all that's being revealed, which is a beautiful thing. But, uh, you know, I mean, then look at these TV shows like Game of Thrones and all that, right? Where all the women prance around like sex toys, you know, and all the men are big, violent, aggressive people, you know, and then we wonder why we're the most violent culture on planet Earth, you know, and half the people who are watching the Game of Thrones are women. They're like supporting this, right? Because it's entertainment. But, you know, look what you're supporting. Look at the messages you put in. You don't see an ugly girl on that show. Hmm. 
right? So basically you're teaching women what beautiful is, and then they don't look that way, and they feel bad about themselves. You know, you're teaching boys what beauty is, so that's what they look for, you know? Instead of looking for what they would originally look for, Right? Like we all would, what we would all find to be beautiful is what our mother looks like, right? That's beauty to us. Right? Right? And all the mothers out there look differently. So every woman in the world would have someone who thinks they're fucking beautiful. (laughs) Right? But no, we've trained a culture to say that's beautiful. So all these women get discarded or end up making themselves sick trying to fit that image. And a few of the girls get all our attention, you know? It's crazy, man. What we've created is a big sick stew, you know? But. And the whole idea is to start becoming aware of it. So then you have a choice of whether you want to partake and you say, no, I don't want to partake shift begins, but you need that awareness first, which is what you were working on really hard in Vipassana, you know, and more importantly, day to day throughout life, you know, Vipassana in the grand scheme of things is pretty easy because it's a contained 10 days, you know, but then it's like, how do you continue like ayahuasca ceremonies and all that stuff? It's like, okay, you felt insane for, you know, two hours, or maybe it was glorious and beautiful, but nonetheless, it was contained into that five hour period. Yeah. So you can go through fucking anything for five hours or 10 days, but it's how do you continue? Well, that's called yoga practice. And Goenka tells you right there, you're supposed to meditate for two hours per day. You're supposed to start bringing this out. And then you just go back to those camps once a year or whatever for like a tune up. Right. You know, I find it interesting. I was talking to somebody uh, today of like, the thing that you want the most, if you exude that you want that, oftentimes you end up pushing it away. So if you want the girl, if you want money, if you want, if you, if you appear thirsty for the thing, people are like, you know, the world kind of closes up in a sense. And then there's also kind of like the whole manifestation, visualize and all that. But it seems like in my experience, you know, money, for example, once, once you're like fed, you know, and you're like, I don't really need money anymore. All of a sudden, these opportunities start coming. You know, once you're having some sex, you know, and you, like, feel satiated in that way, all of a sudden you have girls all over you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's, 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 it's pretty obnoxious that life's that way. <laughs> yeah, there's, I think there's a mental thing that happens in those times. Like, you know, basically you draw to you, you know, um, wherever you, your mind is occupied the most. So maybe if you're scared of not having money, then you create no money, you know, and then when you have right. it, all of a sudden you're not scared of not having it anymore. So then it flows. Yeah, so wherever exactly. your energy gets put is what gets created. You know, when you think you, people really say they want money, a lot of times what they're really saying is they're scared of not having money. <laughs> they're scared of not having women or sex or whatever. Yeah. Right. And in that, that's what they're creating. Right. So once you have sex and you, you realize you get it, you get a certain level of confidence. Once a girl thinks you're attractive, you get a little confidence. Then you're no longer scared of not being attractive because you know you are because you did it. You had it. They were with you. And then it's easier to get because you're not pushing it away with these ideas of being scared of it. Right. It's almost like you create your like I had said earlier, you create your reality with your mind state. Yeah. It's like worrying is praying for what you don't want to happen. Exactly. Kind of thing. And it creates it. Yeah. yeah. What, what are you scared of? Is there anything that stands out? That's like a nagging kind of mental jackal. Well, nothing stands out. No. But I mean, if I had to think of like something that would scare me, like maybe something harmful happening to my children. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I don't dwell on it. I don't ever think about anything not happening unless I'm get stoned and get paranoid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> then I might, you know, which is why I smoke less and less now, but, uh, you know, um, but, you know, I don't walk around scared, no. But I could definitely think of things that would freak me out. What's, like, a challenge in your life? Is there something that's an ongoing thing or, or are things pretty streamlined at this point? Um, hmm, that's a great question. I think uh, I have a lot of challenges, you know. I'm, I'm challenged being in a relationship. You know, it's very challenging to me. I'm someone who... Um, likes to have things my way, you know, and um, living with someone's very challenging. That's constantly um, challenging me. And we're, we, I am with, with living with someone and we, we're working our way through all that, you know. Um, you know, being a parent, being a, a good parent, in my mind, what a good parent is, is challenging. Is there anything you know? that stands out with uh, living with someone, relationship stuff? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, you know, I, it's just difficult, you know, it's difficult. Um, you know, taking a deep breath sometimes and just letting go, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, um, you know, I tend to pick really um, um, emotional women, you know, women, and, you know, emotions trump logic. 
So when there's emotions, there's not a lot of logic, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm a pretty logical and practical person. So, um, you know, like, you know, it's hard, you know, and it's, for me, what's really difficult is, and I, I think, you know, I think, you know, being the brunt of someone's anger, being the brunt of someone's, you know, angst, you know, it's not easy anyways, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, especially if you really want to connect to someone and they're, they're hating on you or whatever, because they're emotional, because they're not in really in tune with what they're doing in that moment, um, is difficult. Um, and also because of the nature of my job, you know, which is like all day long giving, yeah. right? I mean, I don't even friggin' charge. Okay. It's like pure giving all day long. Right. So like, when I come home, you know, that's like my sanctuary, right? The last thing I want to do is, you know, have someone beat me up because I didn't do the dishes or because, you know, something didn't happen the way they wanted. Um, but that's the nature of relationships too. You know, people have feelings and people get triggered and, you know, so just taking a deep breath and not reacting, you know, or reacting in a conscious way or act, I guess that would be called acting, <laughs> you know, just, you know, being conscious about what you're doing. Um, doesn't mean it's going to work, you know, doesn't mean it's going to be, it's going to make things, uh, um, copacetic, yeah. but, and it's difficult because, you know, if you really love someone, you just want to connect with them, you know, you want to have that connection. Um, and so I think that's just my own personal karma though, you know, like yeah. I've been with some really crazy women and I don't say that in a negative way, just strong and, um, emotional. But you, so, I mean, you obviously, I'd imagine you're in agreement that you're responsible for hundred percent of your reality. Maybe not obviously, but I would imagine that would be, I would just guess. I, I take responsibility for what I attract. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, it's interesting, you know, if, if that's the thing that we're coming home to, I wonder what aspect of ourselves is inducing that. Yeah. Or what we need to learn from that or what, yeah. Or Why what is, we need yeah. to learn from that. So that's the way I come at it. I just come at it like, you know, what's in this for me, you know? Like, and for me, I think it's just about taking a deep breath and not reacting. Like, you know, not reacting to that and not, and, and starting to let go of my own expectations. Like, right. I want to be nurtured right now or I want to connect with you right now. It's not happening. Being able to let go. Okay, what I want, just I'm letting go of, you know? And I think, that helps every aspect of your life when you're able to do that. So, you know, I have an opportunity in my own relationships to strengthen that ability, mm. you know, because, you know, you know, I think most of the frustrations and disappointments come from your expectations. Yeah. That's what Gwanka says. Yeah, says all, Gwanka, all of Buddhism, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, so, expectations like the root of the suffering. Totally. You so let go of that. it's just, a, it's really about letting go, you know, taking a deep breath and letting go. Yeah. And maybe even serving, you know, like, okay, what can I do for you? What do you need right now? Yeah. You know? That's a Gwenka thing too. Coming back and, and serving. He's, he's saying that's like the highest, what does he call the, the donation? There's a term for it. Do you know what the ter term is? Anyways, um, what? I don't know, but I've done it. I've served at those. I've done 20 of those 10 days, you know, I've done Good a couple 20 days or one 20 day. Um, How was and that? that's where this came from. I mean, this whole thing came from Vipassana. Right, you know? the donation. Yeah, I mean, I, I was crying at the end, man. I was like, this is so fucking beautiful. You know, like, yeah, they just served, they just taught you, <laughs> they fed you, they housed you, and now they're not going to fucking charge you? Like, I, I would challenge you <laughs> to think of one place in the entire world that does that other than Vipassana. No one. Yeah. This is the most, when you walked into that, where'd you go to Joshua tree or North Fork? J tree. Yeah. When you walked 29 in there, Palms, but J tree, yeah. when you, you walked into a, a, the twilight zone, an entire another dimension of reality, yeah. it doesn't exist on our planet. No. What they're doing is insane. <laughs> right. In a most beautiful way. Like they're housing you, they're feeding you and they're teaching you because they want you to evolve and they want you to be happy. They're not doing it for money. You know, the only, they, they won't even accept a donation from you until afterwards, because then it's no longer about you. It's about you helping someone else get this because you're already done. Right. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I, I was like in terror. I'm like, why can't we do this in the world? Why can't we live like this? You know, and that was my mentality. Why? Hmm. 
And I'm like, there's no reason why. All we got to do is have the balls to do it. Who's got the balls to do it? Goenka had the balls to do it. Yeah. Probably didn't hurt that he was pretty much a billionaire. But <laughs> someone told me when you go to when you go to Burma, all you see everywhere is Goenka, Goenka, because his family is like the richest family in Burma. Oh, wow. They have construction everywhere. You know, he talks about it a little bit. Yeah. How he was really successful, but it, he couldn't cure his headaches and he was miserable. And um, it was the vipassana that actually was. Healing what do you think the switch was with the cure for his headaches there that he was able to relieve his his disease stress. or disease stress dude yeah. if you google stress you'll get like ninety nine thousand pages of what it creates <laughs> headaches i'm sure is one of them everything yeah i mean shit you know i mean they're telling us 95 percent of all disease so you know he was stressed he was unhappy he was miserable and um you know, the Vipassana quieted his mind. That's the opposite of stress, right? And, you know, started facilitating wellness. Um, so, but he, he did it, you know. He did the donation thing, you know. And, I mean, Jesus didn't charge money for his teachings, and neither did Buddha, you know. Mother Teresa, look what she did. She went into the poorest place and just served, you know. And that's kind of what Goenka's doing, you know. He's just basically giving, giving, giving. And... Um, I was just like, wow, let's do that in reality, you know, let's bring it out, you know, yeah. why can't we, you know? And, One of the things that, that stood out for me in the, during the, the Vipassana thing that Gwenka was talking about was that to be like Buddhist, to be, you know, a meditator, to be like, um, you know, all the things that they're teaching there, I think we confuse that sometimes as just being kind of like a, a soft, sappy, passive kind of vegan-ish, nothing wrong with veganism, whatever, um, but like the stereotype around that. And, but not being like strong, empowered warrior as well at the same time. And, you know, he kind of described that as being like, well, that's, well, that's, that's broken as well. You want to be, you just don't want to be attached. You want to be able to express anger. You want to be able to express all the whole gamut, all the colors of your, of your emotions. Yeah. yeah. But you don't want to be owned by any of them. Right. You don't want them to control you. Right. Yeah. So sometimes the most appropriate reaction is to grab somebody by a throat and slide them up the wall. And like, this is, that's the only message that they're going to be able to hear. Maybe, yeah. That's the only language they speak. Right. You know, they're not going to hear like passive yogi, like just eat more tofu. Like they're right. just, it's just, right. Right. you know, so it's being able to have that meta control and then be able to paint with all the colors, but not be owned by any one of the colors. Right. Which is kind of cool. Totally. But if you aren't, if you're not owned by the colors, then that putting up against the wall will probably never happen, you know, because, you know, I mean, we know already that, you know, you can't stop violence with violence. That's been the human pattern throughout history. You know, the only time we've ever seen anybody ever win a war, um, you know, especially, I mean, without violence, but like, you know, like what Gandhi did, you know, where he, he defeated the greatest nation in the world at, at one time without no bloodshed, you know, and the only yeah. t and what he did is he got right in your face. In other words, he didn't back down, but he didn't throw a punch. Yeah. He took the middle path, right? He got right in your face and then he sat down. <laughs> That's what he, and he said, I'm not moving. And he told the whole country to sat down. They all sat down and the English were like, what the fuck? Nothing's getting done. Bye. And they left. Yeah. You know, it's like he showed, you know, I mean, so, yeah, but yeah, the, the warrior thing, I mean, there's no greater, I mean, just think about the warrior you would need to be to deal with the largest addiction of your life. You want to talk about warrior, talk about people who have dealt with addiction, Yeah. you know, and succeeded, you know, um, you know, a lot of the physical stuff isn't, you know, it's just more of a, um, it's macho shit, you know, it's, and yeah. it, it's. It's, it's violence and it breeds violence and it breeds machismo. So yeah, there might be a time and place for it. Like if you see some dude kicking an old lady, then you go and you know, you scream stop. And if he doesn't stop, then of course you tackle him and get him to stop, you know, but you're not tackling him to hurt him. You're tackling him to help the lady. Yeah. So there's still no violence in your heart. There's no anger no. towards him. You're just, pure do, you're just doing, him. yeah, you're just doing what needs to be done in that moment. And that's, those are rare moments, but yeah, if that situation occurred, then sure, you know, yeah. you deal with it. You know, um, but the real warrior is like dealing with your own fears and insecurities and dealing with that place your mind's addicted to dwelling. As you recognized and witnessed when you went there for four days watching your breath, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. And then did you notice the pain in the body just sitting there? I had really interesting experiences where literally that was the first time that I had such tangible 
um, like morphing of pain, like watching, you know, really questioning the, the meaning of pain in the first place. I've been intellectually questioning pain for years, but really like, okay, like little one incident was I had like this hot, fiery, searing pain in my hip. And then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit with that for what, maybe 20 minutes or something, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden it literally just like, it felt like it was like a spaceship, like moving position from there, like up my spine. And then it goes, and just plops into my shoulder. Crazy. <laughs> Dude, what you experience there is so crazy. When you get that quiet for that long with no, I mean, no TV, no books, no reading, no talking, no icon, you can't believe the stuff you do and you accomplish and you see and you recognize and you feel. It's like, wow, you know, and you, you watch pain travel and it's good that we kick back afterwards and we laugh about it, you know, and we're, but and I we went crazy be, for a little bit. What's that? I went crazy for a little yeah, bit. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Not, not bad. Um, not I mean, crazy, bad, whatever. That's, that's not the right word, but it was relative. That's a relative thing. But, um, I woke up in like sincere, super psychedelic experiences, like f several nights afterwards. Um, super fascinating. Yeah. I get up and I'm like, Oh, I'm like legitimately tripping. Yeah. And, um, you know, even if you're tripping, tripping can be a little bit offsetting or you're like, okay, well it's, it's, it's okay. But when you didn't take anything and you just wake up, well, you took <laughs> it's, something, it's very uncomfortable. you took something, you took something intense. No one takes what you took. I mean, come on. Like, you know, there's like less than 1% of the people on earth have done what, you know, what you did, which is 10 days of silence and you know, what that does to you and what that opens up inside of you. Yeah. You know, I remember tripping on acid once and everywhere I looked, everything was vibrating and moving. It was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm watching Einstein's equation in reality, <laughs> right? Because Einstein discovered there's no solidity in the universe. Everything's energy moving. Right. And I could see that when tripping on acid, right? The only time I ever saw that outside of acid was at Vipassana. Mm. Like you get so subtle and quiet, you start seeing the truth, right? The truth is, is that yeah. everything's always changing. And if you know in your heart, instead of intellectually, your experience, right? Because, you know, like Einstein said, right, his greatest quote, all wisdom comes from experience. Everything else is just information. Yeah. So you really don't know anything until you experience it, right? And so you, in Vipassana, you experienced it if you got to a point where everything was changing. Maybe you got, you could run those up and down your body, you know, you yeah. can start running and you start feeling the subtle vibrations within you. You realize everything's changing and the more you understand that, the less attached you get to things because now it's not intellectual. It's experiential, right? Now you could, why, why be attached to something that's going to change and you know, it's going to change because that's your experience. The only other place I had, the uh, Gwenka calls it the, the Bunga experience, which isn't quite, I mean, that's just Gwenka is just like my teacher of that. Cause he's the one that's, you know, gave me these words. Um, but so Bunga is when the whole entire body dissolves as you're in a meditation. The only pl I, I, I had that experience of Boston, but the other place I had that was actually here. I wonder if there's like some voodoo you put on the well, place Well, you're, you're experiencing an extension of Goenka through me, you know, yeah, because exactly. his teachings have been the greatest impact of my life mm. in the, my yoga life and maybe my life, but my, at least my yoga life. And I, like I said to you before, I didn't really know how to do yoga. And I've been doing yoga for almost 10 years before my first Vipassana. But it wasn't until the first Vipassana where I really understood how to do yoga. Yeah, I And I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing inside the pose. Like this mind is what I need to cultivate regardless of what I'm doing, but especially in the pose. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm channeling Goenka's message, man, because that had the biggest impact on me. Mm. So I'm just sharing with the people in my class what worked for me. I mean, that's all I can do as a yoga teacher. What's the 20 days compared to the 10 days? What's like that extra 10 days like? Cause it seems like it starts on like the 10th day in a way. It's, you know, it's, it's way deeper. It's the same thing. You know, I was expecting like, uh, deeper or teachings like yeah. the next level of teachings, but there is no next level of teachings. You learn that and, but you take that deeper. So the teachings are simple, right? That's the easy part. The 10 commandments are simple to understand, but <laughs> try living them, right? So the same, the teachings are simple, right? He does have different discourse, you know, I, you know, he makes things interesting. He goes off on different topics, which is cool, but his discourses are always cool no matter what, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you're awesome. fascinated with the dude, right? You're like, you can't stop watching him because he's so articulate and yeah. funny and smart. Like you're just like, you know, and he breaks this down that all of us can understand it, right? He's so good at that. And, um, 
you know, so you get more of that, which is cool. You know, I like listening to him and I like having what I'm doing clarified, which is what he does. Um, but it's really the same teachings. It's just a longer period of time to work on it. And you get a lot more out of it. My brother, as we talk right now, is in a 30 day. Cool. Yeah. I've heard someone describing it as like the well gets deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And which means which you strike, you means strike exactly, more oil but... or more water. Yeah. 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 For sure. How do you describe the well? Hmm. Um, I just feel like, you know, the, we are all part of something, um, or there's something greater than us that we're all connected to. And the well is broadening that connection, you know, increasing your bandwidth to that connection to the truth or the universe or, you know, that which all of us are part of, hmm. you know, because the more you can step out of your own way, the more you quiet your mind, the more you can tune into anything. So we're just tuning in. Vipassana is tuning in. It's stepping out of your own way, right? So the ego agenda is put aside, right? Because there's no me. When you're wa watching your breath, there's no me. The, the me, only me is comes back when you're like, oh, this hurts me, you know? But when you're watching your breath or you're running those sensations through your body, there's no more me, right? There's just awareness and you become aware, right? And then in, when you can do that, when you quiet your mind, you know, I mean, you can't believe the stuff that starts coming through. You like start knowing shit, like you fill with wisdom, right? Because you're, you're now no longer clogging the channels with thoughts. It's almost like you're a conduit. It's like you're a stereo receiver, but you can't receive anything if you're clogging the channels with thoughts. Yeah. And then you get rid of the thoughts, you quiet your mind and you can't believe the shit that comes through everything you need to know. And you know, it's, it's brought me to where I am and I'm, I'm stoked by it. And even I got a long way to go and, and, and I look forward to continuing the practice. There's a, have you read any of the books by Joe Dispenza? Like, mm -hmm. uh, you are the placebo and, um, I don't know, there's a bunch. Um, but, uh, and we can wrap up pretty soon, by the way, as well. I don't know what your, your, your timing is, but whatever, 10 minutes or five minutes, something That's like cool. that will wrap up. Um, but in that, paraphrasing what he says, something along the lines of like, in order to, to really inhabit your body, you have to, you have to lose your body or let go of your body. It's not exactly what he says in like a way more eloquent way, mm -hmm. but it's like in order to like really inhabit like your, your essence or your access that well part, you have to kind of drop all the physical bullshit. And then once you can do that, then you can, you can repair and put it together, kind of like reconstitute it in its, in its strongest fashion. And one of the things that I'm not describing that very well, but, um, Gwenka in there, he talks about like the, the sitting and the meditation as you're going through and, and doing all the, the, like the bio scan and feeling that sensation. He describes it as like a, like a healing ring. Yeah. He describes it as how, like the metal urgist. Yeah, how they exactly. Pass the hot ring over and it draws out the impurities. I remember that. Analogy, and, yeah. and it's, and it's interesting thing. It's like, it's like what you're doing in that. It's like you're, you're sitting in stillness enough and, and kind of getting out of the way of yourself enough that your body can go in and start to heal itself. You know, but most of us, we just keep on patching on new testosterone replacements and new foam rolling and new, all this stuff. We keep on forcing it that we do it to ourselves as opposed to just, just ugh, like stepping out of the way for a second. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like that's the ticket. Like if we could figure out doing that. Yeah, but <laughs> I agree. That is the freaking ticket. Well put, man. That's the ticket. So how to do that? <laughs> well, well, I, I see two ways to do one. it. Number one, you need to be around a community of people that support that, right? Because, you know, you need to be supported in that. We get no support in our culture in that. Nowhere. No, and like I said, not even at our own dinner table, most of us, yeah. right? Because you go home to the family and they're not into what you're into necessarily, right? So, right, we need to be around people who are, think like that, like that support each other. Let's, this is what we're talking about. Like, I like talking to you right now because I love talking about this stuff, right? Like, we're, you know, we're supporting each other and we're, you know, we're, yeah, we're exciting each other, each other about this stuff. That's number one. And number two is, you know, we need a place to practice that. You know, we need a place, to, a time to work on because stepping out of your own way means dealing with the addiction. I'm addicted to where my mind dwells. Yeah. Right. I'm addicted to, you know, thinking about me and all these different scenarios and situations, you know, and to, to break that is, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, you know, it's, I think it's the hardest thing on earth. Mm. You know, I really do, you know, and, um, that's why, you know, I mean, you know, 
we all, a lot of people go to church on Sunday morning and the preacher usually says a lot of amazing things. We all scream amen and then we all go home and nothing fucking changes. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to agree with the preacher, you know, but it's way harder to practice what the preacher was talking about, right? Like putting it into action. Community helps. I have people around me that are doing it. I'm supported, right? And um, every day, taking time out of your day to develop those qualities, yoga, practice. Yeah. Like, that's why they call it yoga practice. There's a, I'm reading, a, put a, a fe- featuring or including a study in this book, in a chapter of the book from, it was from Princeton University. They did a thing uh, measuring people's brain waves while they're around clutter in a room. You know, so being like a clean, organized, feng shui, balanced place versus being like a really cluttered place. Mm-hmm. And being around clutter, like in your physical material reality, is really stressful on your brain because your brain's looking for something to focus on. You know, and so all those objects around are pulling, they're vying for your attention. It's mm-hmm. almost like op- like, like psychic yeah. real estate in a sense. Yeah. You know, so I'm just kind of thinking of like tangible things to start to infuse into your world to, to, to shape all this stuff. I think just like looking at your home is a really good example. You know, going through and like, what's your house look like? Mm-hmm. Does it look like you want your mind to look? Or does it just look like what you accept as being like, you know, good enough? Right. That's a that's a great one. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that you can pun that you can kind of I don't know. I think the, the I state like of that. your body. I mean, I guess that. I never. I don't use that uh, analogies like that, but I can relate to the analogies like that. You well, know? I don't think it's an analogy. I think it's. Or I think it's. Or, I think yeah. It is. Or you know, but how people see like, okay, yeah, you know, um, you know, maybe your house is a reflection of you. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 I just like I, it's like setting. It's like our willpower. Like, I don't have a lot of willpower, personally. Like, if I have cookies around or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is, like, I'll just beat the shit out of them. And that's just the way it is. You know, but if I just don't buy cookies, then I'm all right. 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 (laughs) That's a certain level of willpower. (laughs) Obese people can't do that, right? They can't not buy the cookies. (laughs) They're they're buying the cookies. So so you're on your way, you know, you're one step there, you know, now you just got to put the cookies in front of you and let it go. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or you're like, well, you know what? I, I'll eat these, but not next time I won't eat it. You know, yeah. I'll give myself one more. Is there any takeaway final, final thoughts for wrapping up? Um, no, I don't, you know, I mean, it's, you know, this isn't a me for me. What I do in this yoga world that I'm in is, a, is, uh, you know, to me, it's an, it's an amazing vehicle to, um, to move into all the things that we discussed here, you know, and yeah. that's what it is to me. And it's, it's the time I spend to cultivate this. I mean, for me, you know, the, our highest potential is this yoga practice. It's quieting our mind, you know, and seeing what's in there. You know, our uniqueness instead of being, you know, stamped and programmed by our culture, you know, the beauty of all of us is the differences between us. And, uh, you know, it's almost like we're all, you know, we're all programmed to want and go for the same things, you know, and it's kind of, it loses, to me, it loses its beauty. And I think a lot of us are making ourselves sick, um, trying to fit in, you know, trying to look a certain way, trying to be a certain way. Hmm. And, um, you know, I just want to help people see if they can flourish in their uniqueness, you know, Hmm. and that's what I'm trying to do myself. And that's even, you know, how I teach, you know, I drop a lot of F-bombs and, you know, a lot of it is just showing people it's okay to be you, you know, yeah. You know, I'm being me. I think that's the best teacher, right? It's like, don't tell people, show people. Right. You know, kids will never listen to their parents, but they'll always become their parents. Yeah. You know, it's not what the, it's not what you're saying. It's, it's how you are, you know? So, you know, just trying to walk the talk, whether it's how I teach or the donation thing or whatever, trying to, um, trying to give back in that way, you know, and trying to encourage that. It's kind of selfish being a teacher in a sense, cause you get, you derive the most benefit you know, cause it's, it forces you to be accountable. Like you need to show up cause you have, you know, in your case, a, like a big old huge group of people. It helps. <clears throat> yeah. I yeah. think, I think everything's selfish, you know, cause I think everything we do is for ourselves. You know, even if you serve other people, you're serving other people to fulfill yourself. Yeah. I mean, selfish in the best way possible. Yeah. It's just, you end up the person that's writing the book or the person that's, you know, doing the work, like they just need, they have that accountability. It's if you don't have the accountability for me personally, if I don't have the accountability, um, I'm just a lot, you know, shittier. 
Yeah, it's crazy, huh? It's crazy that we need that, you know? Maybe one day we won't. You know? yeah, but until then, it's nice, you know, that we have to be, just like you said, we started this conversation with the book, you know, that you're writing and having a co-author makes you accountable, right? Yeah. Because they're depending on you to do your end. Exactly. You know, that's like why check-ins. Yeah, sometimes you can have a yoga partner, right? Like that person, then you're accountable. Hey, we're going to class today. Yeah. You know, they or get a dietary class, partner, you know? a meditation partner, yeah. or anything like that. Or like we had just said, community, people yeah. around you that are supporting you, you know? Yeah. Hey, we're all going to Vipassana. You want to come? Do you go to the ones around here? Yeah. I mean, I've been to, I haven't been to. They do a weekly one, right? No, I haven't been to um, Joshua Tree. That's, oh, no, no, for no, me, I mean, that's fairly new. I mean the weekly hour. Oh, no, I thing. haven't been to any community ones. No. Okay. Well, people no. listening, um, I recommend going, just looking up. I th- I, if you look up Vipassana Meditation LA, there's like weekly. I, oh, yeah, yeah. I know that. So I mean, you I, go and drop in for an hour and it's totally. all donation-based. And it's a real trip being able to go in with a group of people. Because for most people listening, probably sitting down and meditating for an hour sounds like totally insane. Um, but when you're around a big group of people doing it, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. It's and it's getting less insane. You know, I mean, now we have a yoga center that's pure meditation. You know, it's called yeah, Unplug. Unplug, yeah. I've, I've done a workshop We're slowly, earlier. you know, mindfulness is sweeping our nation, you know, in a certain sense, at least through the yoga community. Yeah. But they're even bringing it into businesses and all that stuff. So I think it's less and less insane. Yeah. You know, and which is nice. I mean, we're almost cornering ourselves in a corner where we don't really have a choice. Yeah. You know, because everybody's so stressed out, you know. Yeah. And whatever we're doing, you know, um, it's not working. You know, we need to look somewhere else. So, you know, people are looking towards, you know, meditation. Yeah. I wear craziness like a badge. Like if you're in a culture that, that from your perception seems to be kind of sick, for you to be a crazy person actually is, that's like a right. high, a high, high honor. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you you want to be the crazy person in a crazy culture. Yeah. Well, you, it, it sounds nice <laughs> at least, you know, but I think a lot of people have, are scared of standing out and being different. They're yeah. scared of being criticized or not accepted. You know, I mean, it's, I think, I think most of what happens in our culture is based on fear. I think the way, the reason people all want to look the way they want to look is because of fear. Yep. You know, because they're afraid of not fitting in, you know, they're afraid of not being like everybody else. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a little hard to stand out, but it's good if you can wear it as a badge of honor, you know, that you can stand out and be okay with it. Because then I think that becomes your teaching, you yeah. know, which you share with other people, you know, and then maybe they're less attached to how others think and they're more honoring their uniqueness. Yeah. And they can be happier because it's hard to be happy if you're not living your truth, you're living someone else's truth. Yeah. You know? It's hard to be happy when you get naked and look at yourself in the mirror and have judgmental and critical thoughts. Yeah. You know, because you don't fit some image that's been jammed down your throat. And all those thoughts can be manipulated in a matter of seconds. Yeah. Yeah. But you need that's to That's a crazy them. thing. Yeah. Uh, what is the best place to point people to learn more about you? Or you've like, you offer like online classes as well for people that aren't in town or like, what's the best? Route? Yeah. You know, we, you know, think about it like this way. Like, you know, I mean, not, you know, I mean, I travel the world. And, um, you know, most of those people I come in contact with, they can't take my class, you know. So we created an online forum. We have an online studio. Now you can take the classes online, um, www.poweryoga.com. You know, I own the domain because I created the name. Um, way back, right? When, uh, what was it? It was like 80, like late eighties or something like that, wasn't it? Well, I coined the name. Let's see. I went to India in I probably coined the name in 84. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, I, I think the domain started in like 91 or 92, you know, I, I knew nothing about some guy was like, Hey, you want me to create your website? You know, this is you right. know, pre-website. That'll never you know? work. <laughs> website. Like, he's like, he's like, I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, I mean, he didn't charge me, you know? And he was like, he's like, you want me to see if power yoga is available? I'm like, yeah, sure. And of course it was cause no one else was using it. And, uh, so poweryoga.com, yeah. So people can find it. And, you know, the classes online are just as good as the classes in person. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, there's benefits to both. You know, online is, you know, very, very time um, convenient, right? You don't have to get in your car. You can do it whenever you want. You can pick 10-minute classes, 20-minute classes, 30, 45, an hour, two hours, three hours. You know, um, it really works good. You know, in the studio, you have the group energy, which is also nice. Um, but we're, you know, trying to create an online community too. So, um, you know, we have 
thousands of members from all over the world is pretty cool, you know. So there's, you know, Germans and Chinese people and, you know, as long as they speak English uh, or, or can just follow along. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's really, really supportive because that's the main thing. I mean, everything that we talked about today is great, but it's just talk. Right. I mean, at one point or another, we got to do more than talk. We got to back it up with action and how to do that. You know, well, I think we all need some support. We need a community that's going to support us in that. You know, we need our co-authors, Yeah. you know, for our spiritual practice, someone that keeps us accountable and someone that's going through the journey with us and someone that's suffering alongside of us. Because suffering is always easier when someone can suffer with you, you know, like you share the burden. And it's a lot of challenge, this spiritual practice. Yeah, it's. I think it's the real warrior, you know, it's the real warrior, you know, it's because all the enemies are inside of you, yeah. not outside of you. Cool. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Appreciate it. No got to do yoga class. We got a class coming up 630. 630. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll go. All right. Podcast over. Thank you for listening. Bye. Boom. Align podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. There's some ways that you can support this podcast. One of which you can pick up an Align band, which is a heavy duty resistance band. Comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at aligntherapy.com and also on amazon.com. Um, thank you also so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap. Through that link, we get percentage of it. Costs you nothing. And... I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.